we get a show of hands. Uh, I realize that depending on the way that you engage with uh, television uh, today and what you watch, uh, you may or may not see commercials anymore. <laughs> if you just use a, a box or something on your device that streams content to you, you may not see commercials. And so I can't assume that everybody's seen commercials. So I want to show of hands, have you seen the commercials that say, just okay is not okay? Okay, a few of you have seen these. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, the doctor. Uh, the, there's a lady in a hospital room and coming in, and apparently it's some sort of a procedure or something that's about to happen. And, like, you know, they're asking is Dr. So and so, you know, is he, is he good at this? And, oh, yeah, he's okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's okay. He's okay. And he, you know, comes down the hall and he's like, all right, you know, good news. He's like, I just got reinstated. And he's like, well, mostly, or, or whatever he says. <laughs> and so you're kind of, you're not, these commercials do not inspire confidence in the people who are, are just okay. And uh, so here's, here's where I'm going with this. I think that these really sort of tap into some of who we are as humans, where, where sometimes we just kind of wonder about ourselves. I wonder if there's a whole lot of people who think I'm really more than just okay. <laughs> I think a lot of days I can really relate to that character where I just, I, I feel like I'm pretty okay sometimes. And, and we kind of look at that and think uh, about ourselves, and, and maybe it's, it's a thing of evaluation, but uh, as I thought about those commercials, uh, my goodness, if you're watching basketball games and this weekend and you're seeing commercials, they have like the same three commercials on repeat, and so you've seen some uh, not okay uh, commercials. But in, 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 in looking at these and in, in engaging with these, we really do get a chance to, uh, to see into the human heart, into the way that we evaluate people. And I think there's a connection there, not just for me to have something to fill a couple of moments in the beginning of time in our message this morning, but to say we've, we've really looked at Moses throughout this chapter as, as someone who, who thought, I'm, Lord, I, I might even be south of okay. I'm not sure I'm up to this right now. I'm not sure I can do it. Moses is, is not a character uh, on this. God speaks to him directly. We just said it in the memory verses. God says, verse 10, Come, I will send you to Pharaoh, that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of, out of Egypt. Moses, if he were an executive level, uh, inspiring, um, uh, confidence-inspiring leader, he would have said, okay, where's the plan? This many troops, we need this. We're going to get this done on this day. This is the way the schedule's going to break down and go. And instead he says... The who am I? You got the wrong person here. And, and I, I, think we can, I think we can relate uh, to that, uh, that we just sort of, sometimes we just feel okay. And, and part of our hope in doing this, this uh, series, this is what happens when you fake the people out. <laughs> you prevent them from cheating. You forget to turn it back on. All right. Part of our desire in doing this is, is, Lord, encourage us. Lord, show us that maybe we have committed sin. We have failed. We are in need. We are weak. We do not even feel like today, right now, in this time, I can, I can hold it together being here. I'm not sure how I made it. I really just need help. Uh, I'm, I'm not certain I'll ever be successful in ministry. I'm not sure if I'm going to lead anybody else to Christ. I'm not sure if I'm going to grow in my faith. I'm not sure if I can overcome. All these things are here. I said a lot of this last week, and the, and the same of it really is true. And so as we, as we look at this today, uh, let's look at what it is to define success. God, in this passage, 
in, in, in interacting with Moses has promised him success. And he's not sure of it. And so I want us to see, uh, again, as we wrap up this, this uh, study on this chapter, I want us to see what it looks like for success when we are on mission. We have, maybe we have great desires to share our faith. We may have great desires to see people come to Christ, and we wonder where God is and what he is doing. Well, the first thing that we can do uh, as we think about having success is we can expect that God will intervene I want to remind you today that he cares. God seems, may seem very distant as a concept to us. A person who is so far out there and so far away and removed from this earth that we could never relate to him. It may seem that way at times. God intervenes in human affairs, in human events and history. God does not stay separated from this place he has created. Uh, we, throughout our Genesis uh, 1 through 11 series that we recently ended, I want you to see this list the creation, the fellowship of God with Adam and Eve in the garden, the curse, God was willing to judge the mistakes and the failures, but He saved them. There was a flood where God came and intervened and judged. And then there was the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11 where God came down and said, let us go down there. See their puny little tower that they think is so great. God intervenes. This is just a sampling from 11 chapters in, Exodus, or excuse me, in Genesis. God intervenes throughout Scripture, throughout history. I want us to have that expectation as we interact with God, as we desire to live our lives in obedience to him, that he will intervene, he cares, he helps. I want us to see that he sent his son Jesus, uh, the word, a capital W here is, is for uh, Jesus. It's a, a picture of who he is. I won't get into the details of that. You can study uh, John 1 and read about that. But the word, that's Jesus, he became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Look at that. God became human and dwelt among us. He intervenes for us through Jesus. Now, I don't want to just give you a whole bunch of Bible knowledge today about what God did. I want us to really understand the whole scope of, of what's going on here. We'll step back just a little bit into the end of Genesis so we can bring this forward and get a, a good understanding. The reason that these people, uh, the children of Israel, as it was in our memory verses and throughout this chapter, the reason they were stuck in slavery is actually a result of an amazing blessing of God. Uh, Joseph is a, a major Bible character at the end of Genesis. His story goes from 37, chapter 37 in Genesis, clear to the end of Genesis. And what God does is God uses him in a powerful way. Moses, in a, as a, a young uh, boy, was not... Uh, able to handle the truth God was revealing to him, and so uh, he became puffed up, and his brothers hated him, and instead of killing him, uh, they faked his death, and they sent him into slavery uh, in Egypt. They sold him. 
to slave traders. And so he went down to Egypt, hopeless, separated from family. He didn't have a phone where he could text anybody. He thought it was over as far as his uh, relationship with their family. He didn't have any of that. And so he got there, and, and I'll, I'll keep the story short. The bottom line is that over a number of years, God prospered Joseph. To the second in command to the Pharaoh gave him amazing wisdom and ability to interpret dreams and God positioned and maneuvered him in a way where he was able to have influence over the land of Egypt and by the time a great famine came Joseph was so much in power that he was able to have his family he reconciled with his brothers and to have his family come down and be with him in Egypt. And they were blessed. They were given one of the greatest and most fertile parts of, of the country of Egypt, and, and, and everything looked great. Well, then that pharaoh died, and the new pharaoh came in and says, well, I don't know who any of these people are, but they're really rapidly multiplying, and they're growing in numbers, and this became a major political problem for the new pharaoh to manage, and so he tried to make life really harsh on the Israelites. And that's why they ended up in slavery, is their story changed. And what I want to challenge you with this morning is, have you ever wondered where God was when the circumstances seemed impossible? These people, the children of Israel, in Exodus 3, feel like the circumstance is impossible. They feel the misery. They feel the unrealistic expectations for their labor. They feel all of it. They're in slavery and they want out and God is making a promise. But you may wonder, where in the world is God and why is this taking so long? We have to know that whole scope of Joseph being sold into slavery, his life, how they got established in Egypt in the first place. Had Joseph never been sold there, uh, there would be no way for, this, uh, for prophecy to be fulfilled, no way for the, the children of Israel to, to leave Egypt. No way for any of that to come about. And so I want to encourage you to see it. You may not know where God is right now. You may not know how God is going to use you. You may not know what God is going to do to provide. But this shows us that God will intervene. And he is there. He is speaking directly to Moses and saying, I am going to intervene. Oh, may we be encouraged to the depth of all that we are that God cares and will intervene. Now, Here's another thing that we can expect on mission. We can expect God to judge. Look here at verse 20. So I will stretch out my hand and strike Egypt with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. What you see here is God promising Moses that he will systematically strike an entire nation with judgment upon judgment. Maybe that unsettles us just a little bit. Maybe it would have clued Moses in. But in the verse before, he said, I know, this is 19, he said, I know the king of Egypt will not let you go unless compelled by a mighty hand. And so God promises the might of his hand in judgment. We are are unsure. We are uncertain. We fight, we fuss, we question. We're not sure what it is that God is going to do. Even a couple of chapters later, you want to flip over to chapter 5, verses 22 and 23. Here's Moses. After all this has happened, he's still not sure. Moses turned to the Lord and said, O Lord, why have you done evil to this people? Why did you ever send me 
For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has done evil to this people, and you have not delivered your people at all. There's Moses, still struggling, still waiting out the judgment, still not sure what God is going to do. Why did you send me? You've done evil to this people. You haven't delivered them. Even though God promised he would do it, Moses didn't have the perspective. The Bible gives us perspective. We have the ability to see perspective. We'll back up just a couple more verses in this chapter. I want you to see this. And here's what is promised. I promise that I will bring you up out of the affliction of Egypt to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, Amorites, the Perizzites, the Hivites, and the Jebusites, a land flowing with milk and honey. That's the promise that God gives to Moses. And that is a promise that is a direct fulfillment of what we read in Genesis 17. Verses 7 and 8 say, And I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout their generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. And I will give to you and to your offspring after you the land of your sojournings, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God." God would judge. And he would judge in a way that fulfills and upholds his promises. We can expect God to be the judge. Now, here's the challenge for us. In point number one, God is going to intervene because he cares. Now, let me ask you if you nodded your head in the first point. And you said, yeah, God's going to intervene. I know that he cares. And now let me ask you, are you challenged to nod your head in point number two? Yeah, God is going to judge. And he may afflict certain people as a part of his plan. He he might do that. I don't know. But that's what it says. So I guess I'll keep nodding. Maybe we're a little less sure of point number two than we are number one. But it's all the same. And there's perspective that God gives on his judgment. See, many people want God to judge. They just want it to be the way that they would do it. They don't trust him to communicate how he will do it, or that he possibly could have communicated the way that he will do it, and that we should trust that. Why the Israelites? Are you wondering that? Why is he going to strike Egypt? Were they any better? This is about God's promises. We've been affirming that over and over. This is who God is. He makes a promise. He keeps the promise. He promised them the land. This is, over generations, the beginning of the fulfillment of the promise for them to have the land. Something about the other nations, so wicked. He chooses the Israelites and he will stay faithful to them. Maybe we feel a little bit of tension with this. Maybe we have a hard time trusting in God's timing. I'm going to give you a couple of illustrations. 
Uh, I announced at the end of January to our congregation that uh, another local congregation that we've gotten to know over the past couple years uh, ceased uh, their congregation's existence. They decided to close their doors. So our friends at the Church of Deliverance uh, recently, at the end of January, closed their doors as a local church. Now, uh, Brandon File, who is the pastor, uh, was the pastor of that church, uh, is a good friend of mine, and uh, you all know him. Uh, but if you have been a part of some of the gatherings that we've had over the last couple of years, you would recognize his name. And so I actually got a chance to meet with Brandon yesterday, and I promised that I wasn't so desperate for content in my sermon that I was glad I met with Brandon. I'm going to put this in now. I promise that's not where we're at, but I want you to see how God answered his prayer, because see, uh, when they closed the doors of their church, they didn't want to go through some big process. They were just praying that God would give them some resolution to what would happen with that property. And so what, what, Brand, what Brandon did is he texted uh, somebody connected with the Ministry of Love Akron, which is a local organization uh, that mobilizes Christians or gathers Christians in the Akron area, and said, hey, if you know of anybody in the network here that is interested in a, in a piece of property with no mortgage, we'll be glad to sign over the deed. And the text that he got back from the person he sent was, I think I might be that person. <laughs> So uh, in our conversation, I said to Brandon, I said, yeah, this is amazing. You're telling me this story about how this other pastor responded and, and uh, she wants to take the building. And as we speak, they are renovating the building. A contractor has come in and is doing everything for free. And it's amazing that all this work is getting done and there's going to be some new life in the building uh, down there where the Church of Deliverance was. And so I praise God for that. There's going to be another congregation that moves in there. I said to Brandon, I said, yeah, you know, when, I, when you told me that you were going to close, I said, I had a few ideas. And, and he said, yeah, he goes, I know I thought about calling you, but I know that none of your, none of your ideas are ever very fast. And so I never called you because we got this thing and it was exactly what we prayed for. And I knew that if I got you involved, it would take way longer than it needed to. And so I was like, all right, I get it. And look what God did. And bam, he answered it fast. Don't you wish everything that you wanted to know or understand about God happened that quickly? I wish. Just this past week, I saw a prayer Answered. I won't go into the details, but I saw a prayer answered before my eyes that I had waited over a year and a half for God to answer. And that, to me, stands in stark contrast to Brandon and his situation. It doesn't make Brandon a better Christian. <laughs> he may be a better Christian than me, but that's for other, <laughs> other reasons, okay? I want us to see that God is the one who knows how to judge. He knows how to move things, and he knows the timelines way better than do. We will do so well to learn to trust God and his judgment. We can expect that on mission, that God will do things. It may not always be convenient. It may not always be easy on our stomach. But he will work. Sometimes difficult things need to happen in order for God to be glorified. We see that in the message of the Exodus. So here's where we'll close today. I want you to expect God to provide. He protects. Now listen. <laughs> this is amazing. Right after he says, I'm going to strike Egypt in verse 20 with all the wonders that I will do in it. After that, he will let you go. Look at what happens on their way out. Here's what God promises will happen to them on their way out of Egypt. I will give this people favor in the sight of the Egyptians. And when you go, you shall not go empty. 
But each woman shall ask of her neighbor and any woman who lives in her house for silver and gold jewelry and for clothing, you shall put them on your sons and on your daughters, so you shall plunder the Egyptians. God is going to make it that somehow these people are so in favor of the Israelites leaving that they are going to give them material possessions. And the word in God's word here is plundered. Plundered isn't good, but this is God's way of making it come about that the Israelites will leave with advantage. Now, here's what I want to challenge you with. We, in our cultural context in 2019, we are the beneficiaries of provision. Many, 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 many Christians around the world would love to have the freedom that we have to sit here right now without threat of violence or government interruption. Many Christians would love to have the facilities we have been blessed with and have been committed to and maintained over the years in this location. And this is not just our church. The Many people would love to have the, the facilities of the American church, would love to have the publishing companies, would love to have all the books, would love to have the different translations of the Bibles, everything readily available to us without the government censoring things. They would love to have what we have, and we have provision. So here's how the connection gets made. This is not just a guilt trip. See, what happened with their provision, the gold, the silver, the clothing, when they left Egypt, the challenge was what they were going to do with it. They, were, they did some good things with it. The goal was that they were going to get out, and they were going to worship. Verse 12, this is, uh, of our memory verse, this is the promise. right? This is the sign. This will be the sign that I sent you. When? You have brought the people out of Egypt. You shall serve God on this mountain. The goal was to worship God. God wanted to be worshipped and his glory to be made known. And so when they went into the promised land, that was part of what they did. They fulfilled that and they ended up building the tabernacle and all the things they brought together. They used some of those possessions to worship God. But in this horrible incident later in Exodus 31, they also used that material to melt down the gold, and they use it to make an abominable idol, a golden calf that they worshipped instead of the true God. And so the challenge to us has to be, how are we going to use the provision? We have so much. I want you to see a couple of things from Scripture. Back in Genesis, this is what God told Abraham. I will bring judgment on the nation that they serve, and afterward they shall come out with Great possessions. Look at that. That's hundreds of years before God tells Moses this, and then it happens. That's amazing that God told Abraham that. It's amazing. It's phenomenal. And it's true. He was going to provide. That's who God is. He is going to provide. There's Deuteronomy 4, where God is challenging the Israelites, as they're getting ready to go into the promised land. 34 and 35, or has any God ever attempted to go and take a nation for himself from the midst of another nation by trials, by signs, by wonders, by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, by great deeds of terror, all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. In verse 35, to you it was shown that you might make know that you might know that the Lord is God. There is no other besides him. This is, this is what happens when God provides. He is glorified. We have provision. Will we glorify him? Through all of the struggles, 
through their slavery, through the seeming hopelessness, there was a glory that was going to come that God was going to work. If this sounds a lot like Jesus, it's because the the Bible throughout is really good at having a unified message which talks about Jesus. And, and, And when we get into the Old Testament, it is not difficult for us at times to see where God is moving forward. We may ask, why would God allow his son to be killed for our sins? It's the same concept. The slavery, the suffering, it's an identification that we suffer and we have a Savior who suffered and died in our place. He can meet us at our grief, at our sorrow, at our suffering, at our sin. Jesus identified with all of those things and was willing to become the perfect sacrifice of God to take away our sin. And then he rose from the dead to become the guarantee of eternal life. As we think about God using us, I want us to know, as we wrap up this sermon today, as we wrap up this series, that God provides and he protects May we hear this, that God will give us what we need. He will fuel us. He will use us. This may apply to you individually. I don't know where you are in your terms of your growth, your faith, your desire to see new people come to Jesus. This applies to us as a local church. God will do the things that he needs to do in order for us to be effective But we have to continue to look for his perspective. Moses didn't have that benefit right then and there. And throughout that time, he became very uh, upset at times, very unsure. And we can be comforted by that, that God stays with us. We have sung this morning that he is ever faithful, never changing through the ages. He is the one who will not change. We may waver or falter, but he is ready always to bring us back. Whether that is to uh, Jesus for the very first time, or to come back to him, or whether that is uh, new fuel and new energy for us to be on mission for God, sharing our faith. He gives us that energy. He gives us the provision, the things that we need. It is what he will do.